0: Every moment more. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game Mobile app and online at 1037TheGame.com. It is a Saints Touchdown! This is the jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're gonna be! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your
1: host, Jordy Holberg. Holy cow, I take a day off to go to my daughter's graduation. Did I miss anything? Holy cow, we've got in this corner, Nick Saban in the other corner. We've got Jimbo Fisher and prime time Sanders and let the bell ring. Wow. College football just got a little bit more interesting. As Saban says that Texas A&M bought all their players. Jimbo Fisher called him a liar, called him a narcissist, called him. Th- Some people think they're God. And if you go and ask anybody that worked for him, you can find the skeletons and the bones Oh my goodness gracious. And Deion Sanders promises a rebuttal that says, yeah, yeah, they paid one of his players a million dollars to come to Jackson State. Holy cow, did I miss anything? Welcome. It's great to be with you on this uh Friday, May 20th, the year 2022. Don't you don't you want to go see Texas AM? take on Alabama. Alabama's going to beat their brains out cuz Alabama's going to win the national championship and this is going to diffuse a bunch of stuff. But Jimbo Fisher took the lead. He said, "I'm tired of this Saban dude saying whatever he wants and uh and playing holier than thou and um you know, talking out of both sides of his mouth and I'm letting him have it. Called him a narcissist, called him God and you'll find the bones. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll delve into this a little bit today cause it's so fascinating. LSU baseball got back on track with a, 13 to two win over Vandy, uh, yesterday game two today. We'll have bill Frank here in a few minutes live from, from Nashville to recap yesterday. Talk about today. Um, We know that the New Orleans Pelicans have the eighth pick in the upcoming NBA draft. John Shepkevich will join us at around 2.30. He's an NBA draft analyst, and he will share his thoughts. Is there value at number eight? How deep is this draft? We'll go over that with him. Uh, Coming up tonight, Beth Tarina and the LSU softball team for um, another year will be in a regional Uh, They are in Tempe for opening play as the Tigers will take on the Mountain West Conference champion, San Diego State. Also in it are Arizona State, the number one seed, and Cal State Fullerton, the number four seed. So the Tigers will get underway tonight at 7 o'clock our time. The voice of LSU softball, Patrick Wright, will join us to preview that series Um, We'll also talk UL baseball and softball with our good friend George Faust. Little Rock beat Louisiana 2-zip Hayden Arnold. A complete game for Little Rock. Um, Pitched nine innings, gave up five hits, no runs, struck out 12, and walked zero. Zero. How often do you see a picture-complete game in the first place? There those are far, far, far and few between. And do you ever see a college pitcher, twelve strikeouts, and no walks? It's gotta be one of the greatest pitching performances in a long, long, long time. Uh the Cajuns will get back in action again today, day two at the Teague. It'll be a six o'clock pitch Friday, uh, against Little Rock. Meanwhile, the UL softball team is currently underway taking on Auburn in the NCAA Clemson Regional. Clemson Regional. And let's see, I'm trying to see right now, top of the second, two apiece. Um, the Cajuns got a run in the first. Auburn came back with two in the bottom of the first. The Cajuns picked up another run in the top of the second. They've got a runner on second with no outs. So we'll get you updated on that. And then George Becknell will join my producer extraordinaire, uh, James Mesh. And we'll talk about all kinds of stuff, including who's going to win the Preakness tomorrow, who's going to win the PGH championship. Right now, Justin Thomas is in the clubhouse Back to back 67s. He was three under par today. He's six under par total. Will Zalatoris, Rory McElroy are at five under par um, right now. And a lot of golfers still out on the course. Several of them have not even begun play yet, uh, including, let's see, I think Tiger Woods was at plus four. Um, he, uh, yeah, plus four after round one. He's played the first hole in even par, so he's got a lot of work to do. The projected cut is at plus three, so we'll see if um, if Tiger can make the cut in the NBA playoffs. Uh, what a reversal of fortune after winning Game One, Miami uh, over Boston, 118 to 107. The Celtics get Marcus Smart and Al Horford back, and they simply blow. The Miami Heat out of the gym, 127-102 to even that best-of-seven series at a game apiece. Horford had 10. Jason Tatum led the way with 27. Smart had 24. Jalen Brown, 24. Grant Williams, 19 off the bench. And Peyton Pritchard had 10. So uh, the Boston Celtics getting a lot of uh, contributors. Meanwhile, For the the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler had 29 and not much else after that. Uh, Bam out of Bayou. Only had six points. Only took six shots. So, uh, Boston, you just get the sense they're just the more complete, well-rounded team. But we will see um, as that series heads to Boston for game three tomorrow night. Meanwhile, tonight it is... Game two between the Warriors and the Mavericks. The Warriors, of course, won game one, won 12 to 87. They did a great job defensively. And let's face it, Dallas didn't hit many shots. Luka only with 20 points in 35 minutes only. Uh, For him, that's that's only. Meanwhile, the Warriors, who are, look, Dallas coming off of an emotional game seven win, And then having to turn right around, go go on the road again and um, play a team that plays unlike anyone else, their ball movement, their player movement. They just play a different game. And the Warriors had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in double figures led by Steph Curry's 21. Uh, So it's a tough, tough call for the Dallas Mavericks game two is uh is coming up so tonight so we shall see uh what happens with that one so we've got a lot a lot a lot to talk about um doesn't it sound like nick saban couldn't win and so he took his ball and went home doesn't it sound like sour grapes in a lot of ways that uh, was he the one that was complaining when his quarterback, before he ever touched the ball as a starter, uh, was getting a million dollars in NIL deals. He didn't uh, say anything was wrong with that. In fact, he was he was bragging to the world. He, he never speaks to the world. All he does is speak to recruits. It's all he does. And um, I mean to tell you, uh, wow. Jimbo Fisher went scorched earth press conference it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't get its way the narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen it's ridiculous when he's not on top those were the most interesting few seconds of a nearly um seven minute answer that nick saban gave when he was asked about name image and likeness wednesday night at the world games 2022 in birmingham Nick Saban never says anything that's not calculated. So what was he doing? Those were all influential CEOs and business owners and and, and very well to do people. And what has happened is you remember how Nick Saban criticized the the spread offense and the run, you know, all that stuff. So what did he do? You can't if you can't beat them, you join them and get better than them. So he gets Lane Kiffin and his offense has gone crazy, it's gone crazy. Now he's trying to do his own thing, and he's seeing all these collectives out there, and he's going, okay, they're doing it. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it better. So so be careful what you, what you do, because the sleeping giant is waking up. But he is being hypocritical. He wasn't saying that when Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, was making all that money. He wasn't at all. He just likes to win, and he doesn't like it when other people do it. So uh, these collectives, in case you don't know what a collective is, it's an outside marketing uh, agency that's, that's not tied directly to the university that is funded by alumni from the university, and they give this collective millions of dollars. That marketing agent then funnels it to the players, and the coach actually knows exactly how much money is in the collective So he knows how much he can promise every player. That's how it's done. That's the new world. Adapt, adjust, or go home. Go home. So very, very, very interesting. I can't wait till these two teams play. But again, Bama's going to beat the brains out of Texas A&M in Tuscaloosa. Plain and simple. LSU beat the brains out of Vanderbilt last night. Can they make it two in a row? We'll head to Nashville. We'll get a look back and a look ahead to the doors and the tigers with Bill Frankenz, the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field. After this time out on the Jordy Hulbert Show, we are on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Back to more of the Geordie Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All
1: right, we're back at 17 minutes after the hour. You never see Tim Corbin or Jake Johnson get into a verbal tay-to-tay like Jimbo and Nick did. They just play baseball. And they played it last night in Nashville game one. And boy, it went LSU's way. They hit it like crazy with Dylan Cruz leading the way four for four. They pitched it great. Michaela Hilliard, uh, five and a third innings. Uh, Eric Reiselman uh, was on fire. He gave you three and two thirds uh, scoreless innings of work. And when you add it all up, LSU gets a 13 to two win to improve to 15 and 13 in SEC play, 35 and 18 overall. Game two tonight at 6 p.m., where you will hear. The voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, on the radio here on the game, our good friend, Bill Frankez. William, great start to a series, buddy. How's Nashville treating you?
3: Yeah, Jordy, so far so good. Uh, You know, Nashville has not been very kind historically to the Tigers in the last 17 years. In fact, the last time LSU won a series here was in 2005. And Tigers have lost four straight series since then. So to get a win in game one last night in such a convincing fashion was definitely a departure from what we've been accustomed to here at Vanderbilt. And let's hope that it continues. And if the Tigers can get a series victory, I think that would be a tremendous step forward for LSU. Certainly uh, there was some concern about the fact that LSU dropped 20 spots in the RPI after getting swept by Ole Miss. But, Feeding Vanderbilt two out of three, I think, would solidify LSU's bid into the NCAA tournament. And then perhaps if the Tigers win this series and, and win some games in the SEC tournament, maybe LSU's maybe. back in the, into the hosting regional conversation. So that's that's where we are right now. But, yeah, it was, last night was the way he draw it up. It was just uh, Jay Johnson told me after the game that that, that was my favorite game of the year because everything <laughs> was clicking for the Tigers. The, the offense, obviously, with five home runs. Kyle yeah. Hilliard and Eric Razelman were both outstanding on the mound, and L.C. got a very important win to, to start this weekend.
1: I, I got nervous, and I thought, oh, my God. First inning, get the bases loaded, no outs, Yeah, and you don't get a run across. I'm like, oh, no, this is, this is not a good sign. But thank goodness um, they bounce back in a big way and get six runs in the second inning. So you had to be a little nervous, too, I think.
3: Yeah, it was a little frustrating. That was um, – Tigers had the bases loaded and nobody out in the first inning and did not score. However, you know Jay said after the game, he said even though that was obviously extremely disappointing not to score in that first inning, he felt encouraged by the fact that uh, the Tiger offense and the hitters appeared to be on time with the pitches from Devin Futrell, the Vanderbilt starter. He felt like that even though uh, LSU didn't score, the Tigers were going to have a good offensive night against Utrell, and that's exactly what happened is the Tigers exploded in the second inning. It was all triggered by the home run from Jordan Thompson, the LSU shortstop, and then right. just, just erupted from there.
1: Yeah, normally, um, you think of Vanderbilt, you think of uh, great pitching, but Utrell, uh, just an inning and a third, gave up five runs on five hits, and then... The guy that comes in relieves him, Patrick Rowley, gives up six runs on eight hits. And all the runs, all 13 yeah. of the runs were earned. So, um, man, if you could keep that going up, because now, now we get to game two, and what do you expect pitching-wise? Who gets the ball tonight, and how long can that player go?
3: So, Ty Floyd will be the starting pitcher tonight, Jordy. And Ty Floyd has really been excellent. Uh, in his last three relief outings, pitched uh, very well in relief uh, against Nichols back in early May. Then again, uh, he extended, had extended outing against Alabama. And then another extended outing in relief against Ole Miss last weekend. So Coach Johnson and Coach Kelly, our pitching coach, feel like that Ty has really made a lot of strides in the last few weeks. So he's a guy with a lot of ability. Of course, a great fastball, 94 miles per hour. But he's also worked with Coach Kelly on developing his off-speed pitches. And that, that appears to have been a more prominent part of his repertoire in his last three outings. So hopefully he can deliver a similar outing to what McHale did and get you know out, allow the Tiger bullpen to take over maybe in, into the, the, the fifth or sixth inning. And we'll see where we are. If, if the offense hopefully will continue to perform at the high level that it did last night. Christian uh, Little is a right-handed pitcher starting for Vanderbilt tonight. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Vanderbilt's um, one of their primary pitchers is a kid named Carter Holton, who's a, also mm-hmm. a freshman lefty. He's been dynamite this year, but uh, he had to pitch on Sunday in a weather-delayed game in Arkansas. So oh. Tim Corbin has decided maybe to, to rest him this weekend. So hopefully the fact that Holton won't pitch this weekend may give the Tigers a little bit more of an advantage. And, the offense can continue to, to prosper.
1: Um, if, if the bats continue the way they are, you'll be in, in, in really good shape. Uh, Jacob Berry uh, went 2-4-4, uh, as I recall. So looks like he's back, back in a groove. And that uh, batting third as the D-H... Do you see him uh, maybe maintaining that role as a designated hitter? Or um...
3: I think so, Jordy. I think definitely for this weekend, I think he'll stay in as a as a DH. Um, he with because of the nature of his injury, of his injury that hairline fracture to the middle finger on his right hand, he's able okay. to bat right handed. But right now, he's not comfortable batting left handed. But uh, I'm sure folks. Man, most fans noticed last night that Jacob was batting right-handed against right-handed pitching. Yeah. When Patrick Riley, the um, the um, reliever, was uh, inserted in place of Petrell, who's a lefty, Jacob remained in the game and batted right-handed against the right-handed Riley and, and had a lot of success. seeming uh, seemed to make very good contact. So it looks like LSU will continue with that plan. Uh, Jacob will continue to bat from the right side, whether or not he's facing a righty or a lefty. And he makes such a huge difference in the lineup. Yeah. You hate to make excuses, but I feel confident saying LSU would not have been swept by Ole Miss had Jacob Berry been healthy last weekend. So hopefully he continues to get healthy. don't think we'll see him in the field on defense this weekend, but I think we'll continue to see him as the D.H.
1: Uh, we got a dog race in the, in the SEC West. Both Arkansas and Texas A and M are at eighteen and ten. Auburn's fifteen and eleven, and then LSU coming back at fifteen and thirteen right. with a two game lead over Ole Miss. So, if I, this may be a dumb question, it wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. But where do you <laughs> see LSU when the SEC tournament comes to play? When when would they start playing in your mind?
3: So right now, Jordy, LSU would be the number five season. And it okay. it looks like now it, unless something unusual happen and, and hopefully it will maybe lSU will sweep ten, will sweep Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. maybe Auburn will will drop uh two or three games at Kentucky. Uh, Auburn and Kentucky were rained out last night in Lexington, so they haven't even started those series yet, okay, so I think it will depend largely upon can LSU win all three games in Nashville, which would be a, an incredible accomplishment, and does Auburn falter a bit? against Kentucky to allow LSU to move up into that uh, number four seed. If you're if you're in the top four, you don't have to play until Wednesday, and you're already okay. into the double elimination portion of the tournament. If okay. you're seeded five through 12, you're playing in a single elimination round on Oof. Tuesday. And Oof. that right now is where LSU is. LSU right now is the, would be the number five seed, uh, playing the number 12 seed Alabama on Tuesday in the Oof. final game of the day. Final game of four games. You're looking probably at a a very late start, maybe around eight thirty nine o'clock start on Tuesday oh night. My God, so oh, come on, that's where number four right But maybe you know if the LSU can continue to perform the way it did last night, perhaps the Tigers can can with a little help from Kentucky. Tigers can mm-hmm. can find themselves into that number four seed on on Wednesday instead of playing on Tuesday.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, weather's good, still in Nashville.
3: Weather's well, good, yeah. Weather's perfect right now. Uh, it's about ninety-two degrees here in Nashville. Uh, clear skies, uh, very windy. Uh, they're expecting a potential for some weather tomorrow, but I think okay. for tonight we'll be in good shape. And it's kind of interesting too, Jordy. If if the game tomorrow is affected by weather, the SEC on the final weekend of play. Does allow you to finish the game, finish, uh, your series on Sunday. So if necessary, mm. uh, if there's an issue with weather tomorrow, we could theoretically, uh, finish the series on Sunday because naturally the results of the games this weekend will affect seating in the SEC tournament. Yeah. So hopefully we'll come to that. Hopefully we'll get it all three games in, uh, within, uh, by tomorrow afternoon. But, uh, that, that is a possibility. But, but for today, uh, weather looks great. Uh, it's, it's very windy here, so of love that. The wind was blowing out last night. It may be blowing out again today. So good. that might boost the Tigers offense.
1: Good, good. Um, yeah, man. Golly, this is when a manager earns his money trying to figure out pitching, uh, how to handle the pictures with the tournament right around the corner. Sheesh, yeah. that, that, that's, that's crazy. Look, we, you and I have been around a long time. You and I were there when. When Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher were buddies, you know they played basketball <laughs> right. together at lunchtime. I they got along what, what, pretty well back in those days. They got along great, and now yeah. they're like, "Oh, this makes this makes for some fun, some fun stuff, man!"
3: Wow, I tell you what, that was—I've uh, heard the term "scorched" uh, many times <laughs> describe Jimbo Fisher's press conference. He did not uh, hold back uh, any of his feelings, and uh, my understanding is you- that. Uh, and walked back some of his comments. Oh, later did he? Yeah. <laughs> but man,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Nick Nick was crawfishing back real fast. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, what's what's said has been said, and no one will forget it. And they'll play that thing again and again Absolutely. and again. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. All right, Bill Frankens, go save those pipes, man. Have a great call of the game tonight. Right, Good luck to the Tigers, and as always, thank you so very much, man.
3: Of course, Jordy. Thank you so much for having me. We, we appreciate it. We'll look forward to uh, tonight and tomorrow. All right. So with that
1: in mind, the Tigers look to make it two in a row at Bandy tonight. First pitch is set for six. And you can listen to all the exciting action live here on the game. The Houston Astros, meanwhile, will do look to do the same against the Texas Rangers. First pitch is scheduled for seven ten, And you can listen to that on our sister station, News Talk point. 5 FM. All right, time to shift gears. The Pelicans with the eighth pick in the NBA draft select. Well, I hope it's a great player. Can it be at number eight? We'll go inside the draft next here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from
4: the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots.
0: And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette and one Oh four, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hi, welcome back 33 minutes after the hour. I'm really looking forward to this next segment. Um, The New Orleans Pelicans in the 2022 NBA draft will have the eighth pick up overall the orlando magic will have the first pick and i thought at number eight is there going to be good value there uh come june 23rd so i called up my guy nba draft research scouting and intel at stats perform um he knows this stuff inside and out john chepkevich kind enough to join us john and thanks for the time, buddy. How you doing?
4: Of course. I'm doing great. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing terrific. So you you study drafts. Is this a deep draft? Is this gonna make teams all the way through the lottery very happy, or is this a shallow draft? How do you think?
4: Well, I think the perception has sort of been for a while that maybe it was shallow, right? But as the year kind of goes along certain guys start emerging in the latter half of the year and now that we're you know a month or so into the pre-draft cycle uh there have been various showcases and events and now it's nba combine week so some guys are kind of making their cases that maybe there could be a little bit more depth than originally thought
1: okay is there a clear-cut number one pick overall in your
4: mind well i I would say it's not super clear-cut um Generally there are thought to be three uh premier candidates for the number one okay. pick. Uh my personal favorite would be Jabari Smith from okay. Auburn. Uh right. but you also have Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro from Gonzaga and Duke respectively, uh, that are all sort of vying for that uh number one overall selection, and all of them are are very good candidates.
1: Okay. Um the the, the Pelicans at number eight at number eight do you do you foresee the pels drafting the best player available or if there's multiple players do you see them drafting a player that they think they have of a, a position of need
4: um for me i would say that it it makes sense to go best player available but you know find someone that kind of fits the the mold of the energy surrounding that team right now i feel like they okay you know the year started off a little weird but they carried some momentum into the playoffs and gave the Suns a run for their money and you know there was a lot of good energy i felt like um you know with guys like Jose Alvarado and Herb yep. Jones like these are these are kind of unsung guys that they got last year herb being in the second round alvarado right. being undrafted uh they've shown Uh, that they're able to kind of uh, sift through the weeds and find some valuable guys later on. Uh, So I think they want to find somebody with this kind of premier pick here in the top 10 that is talented but also fits that same sort of direction that they're heading.
1: I got you. Um, LSU has Darius Days, who was invited to the the NBA Combine that's going on as we speak. Is he a draftable player, or is he going to have to work his way through – Uh, you know, as a free agent and hook up with some team and get inside the the G League?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. So Darius Days is a guy who's always sort of fascinated me, uh, even going back to his freshman year, and that, you know, he's big, he's strong, he can finish inside, he can space the floor, and uh, he's really been making the most of his pre-draft process so far. Uh, First, he was at the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, which is a Long-standing historical event uh, in Virginia that invites top seniors. And, you know, he showed pretty well there. And then initially he was invited just to the G League elite camp, uh, which precedes the actual NBA draft combine. But NBA scouts viewed him as one of the top six players there, and he got the call-up to the full NBA combine. So, you know, once you you kind of get that kind of momentum going and get to the actual combine and measure well at the combine and everything like that, there's a chance that uh, you know he could find his way uh, into the NBA sooner rather than later, but you know most likely path would be maybe uh, maybe a two-way contract or something like that. Whether that involves being picked in the 50s or being an undrafted free agent on a on a two-way.
1: Okay, uh, some names that were the eighth pick overall in in past history: Rudy Gay was one, Jamal Crawford was one, Al Farouk Amino was one, uh, Cantavius Caldwell Pope was one. Is there going to be a really an impactful player in your opinion at the number eight spot?
4: I think there very well could be Um, just looking at my sort of consensus rankings database that I have the number eight guy in there right now is uh, Benedict Matherin from Arizona uh, who kind of fits a three and D mold pretty nicely. Um, Another player that, has been somewhat linked to the Pelicans as far as uh, you know them having some potential interest in him is Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a freshman wing that you know didn't really get a lot of playing time early in the season while he was figuring things out and getting his feet wet. But once he hit conference play, he just really exploded, and uh, I think that could be a potentially nice fit as well.
1: I kind of like the kid from Wisconsin, Johnny Davis. Tell me tell me your thoughts yep. on him.
4: Yeah, I was going to get to him next, too. I've seen him in person uh, a few times this season and came away really impressed uh, every time. Uh, he's a guy who plays really hard, uh, gets after it on both ends, uh, and he carried a pretty heavy offensive burden for Wisconsin this year. So, yep. you know, the three-point percentage numbers might not be, you know, up there in the high 30s or to 40 percent like You know, some of these elite shooting guard prospects, you would hope that they would. But I I think some of that is a context of he had to do everything for that program. And he he willed them to being one of the top teams in the Big Ten. So he's a guy that has really good uh, mental makeup. Uh, He's consistently improved over the past three to four years. And he's a guy that I think is worth betting on for both the on-court and off-court reasons and would be a nice fit in New Orleans.
1: John Kevich, kind enough to join us. A couple of the names I keep hearing besides Benedict Mathurin that you mentioned and Johnny Davis that I mentioned, I keep hearing about Jalen Duran and AJ Griffin. Can you tell me about those two? They seem to be kind of being interviewed by the Pelicans and uh, what, what yep. do you think of them?
4: Yeah. So those are two uh, really young one and done freshmen that were, you know, rated really highly in high school. Uh, I got the chance to see Jalen Duren uh, last summer at the Made Hoops Midwest Mania event in Indianapolis. And he's just an absolute behemoth. Like, he he looks like he's built like Dwight Howard already and is, wow. uh, you know, yet to turn 19 years old. Uh, he's one of the youngest players in the draft, doesn't turn 19 until November, and he, he already looks like that. And he's another one who, you know, early on in the year Memphis was – gone through a lot of struggles and yeah. people weren't so sure about him, but I think he showed improvement throughout the course of the year and has worked his way back into the top ten conversation. Um, similarly, with AJ Griffin, uh, really high pedigree. He uh, played really well in a lot of these, uh, you know, Team USA, uh, you know, FIBA events when he was in high school, but endured a lot of injuries over the past three or so years that kept him off the court um, for quite a while during COVID and. Even early on in his season at Duke, he was injured and had to slowly work his way back in. But when it was all said and done, he ended up having a historically good shooting season uh, for a freshman of his size as a 6'6", 220-plus pound wing. Uh, That was really encouraging to see just how well he shot the ball.
1: And all this is such a, a roll of the dice. I mean, I never thought, I saw Devin Booker play in college a lot, and I thought, good player I never thought he'd be this good I didn't I didn't think Jason Tatum would be yeah. as great as he's turned out so you just never know you got to get the right coach the right teammates the right system and all that but out of those out of those four that we mentioned Benedict Mathurin AJ Griffin Jalen Duran, Johnny Davis who who do you and we won't hold you to this we're not going to uh, you know, record this and send it out to everybody like Nick Saban's comments about Texas a and then we wouldn't do that to you. Um, but who do you like the most out of those?
4: Oh, man, uh, that's that's a tough one. Um, I would say, I mean, it, it varies team to team, but mm-hmm. I, I would say maybe your safest bet to be consistently productive out of those is probably Durin, but the – the okay. thing that comes into play here is positional value, and do you really want to be spending you know a high leverage pick on a center that's not one of these very very top guys in the draft, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would tend to kind of lean more toward uh, one of the wing type players and okay. uh, and kind of take a swing there.
1: Does uh, Mathurin remind you of anyone in the present or in the past NBA genre?
4: Uh, so I guess something that might be interesting to talk through would be. Uh, so at Stats Perform, we have an NBA draft model that part of what it does is it spits out uh, a slew of different player comps for each of these okay. prospects. Um, okay. So one example in recent years that he compares pretty closely with is uh, Moses Moody, who got picked toward the tail end of the lottery by the Golden State Warriors uh, last year. Right. Um, a couple of other names on this list as well would be you know Malik Beasley. Um, more on the high end would be uh, like a Bradley Beal uh, somewhere okay. in that kind of mold is, is wow. uh, as far as his similarity scores go.
1: Do you think uh, Chet Holmgren has a long and uh, uh, successful career? He's tall, he's thin, but he's the modern big. He can take it outside. He's got good ball skills. He can pass it and handle it. Uh, how do you see the uh, Gonzaga zag faring in his future?
4: Oh, I mean, I, I have no doubt that he's going to be really successful. Um you know, obviously the frame is a concern. Like, can he put on weight? But we've seen, you know, relatively thin guys. Uh, you know, even Anthony Davis was pretty thin uh, coming out yeah. of Kentucky and ended up putting on a lot of weight. Um, so that that can happen as these guys mature and get older. But you know, something to think about with Chet is just how absurd his production was as a freshman. If you look back uh, this decade plus, going back to 2010. And search by uh, box plus minus, which is basically an overarching, like all in one value metric. The top five freshmen in this metric over that time span are Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis, Chet Holmgren, Carl Anthony Towns, and Evan Mobley. So the other four names (laughs) on that list, three of them went number one overall, and Mobley in a redraft, if you were to redraft that class from last year, he might go number one overall. So that's, you know, that's not the be all end all, but. You know, Chet was very, very productive, very efficient at Gonzaga, and I, I think that it'll translate to the next level.
5: Um,
1: John Kevich with us. Uh, is Jaden Ivey the second coming, of the the wing from Purdue? Is he the second coming of, of Kawhi Leonard?
4: Oh, I don't know about that, just, just from the sense that he's, you know, much smaller and more so of a guard, like, Jaden Ivey's probably six foot four. He is pretty oh, okay. pretty strong and built well, but you know Kawhi is a, a big dude with big wigs and big hands. But you know one of the comparisons I see thrown around kind of recently is uh, John Morant, just due to the kind of explosiveness, the first step burst, the twitchiness, the raw athleticism. Mm. Um, I, I think there are definitely some similarities there, but you know where Ivy has a little bit of a ways to go as compared to how Morant was coming out is as a passer and as a decision maker and kind of figuring out if he can acclimate to maybe playing a little bit of point guard in the NBA alongside shooting guard, being a sort of combo that can make decisions as a primary handler.
1: John, are we going to see a lot of, uh, you know, people across the pond players from, from Europe and all that coming into this draft? I don't hear much mention of that this year.
4: Uh, the short answer is no this this really is one of the i would say weakest international classes in a in a long time uh and you know p- part of that is that you know some of these international guys are playing playing ncaa basketball right like that that's part of the equation right. but you know, as far as guys that could get picked in the first round, it, it, it's pretty limited. There's uh, Usman uh, who's a French prospect that played with the New Zealand Breakers this year. Um, that's the same club that uh, R.J. Hampton played at in the past. That plays in the Australian NBL. Uh, he he has a chance to go in the lottery to mid-first. Uh, Nikola Jovic, not to be confused with Nikola Jokic, uh, plays for uh, Mega Basket. Um, he's a Serbian prospect. You know those two guys can, you know, go mid-first somewhere likely, uh, but you know after that it's a lot of guys that are more so, you know, second-round potential uh, draft and stash candidates. Yeah. It's it's pretty thin from an international perspective this year.
1: So no Luca's out there. I mean, my gosh <laughs> was 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 he a was he a can't misser?
4: He was a can't misser. Yeah, that that was. I mean, what he was doing at at the age he was doing it was really totally unprecedented um and yeah that was that was definitely a no miss type uh type situation not not just hindsight 2020 but
6: right. his candidacy
4: as a draft prospect was was just wild what he had done to date and, and the direction he was moving and it's it's cool to see it playing out and him uh getting a crack at the western conference finals this early in his career uh,
1: john one last one i'll let you go on this one um with a healthy Zion, with Brandon Ingram, with the, the pickup of C.J. McCollum, uh, with the defensive prowess of a Herb Jones, with uh, Alvarado coming off the bench, And I, I think Trey Murphy from Virginia is going to improve yep. in his second season as an outside shooting threat.
4: Are you buying yep. stock on the Pels? Uh, well, I would say yes with with everything that you just laid out there, right? I was super encouraged at the end of the season. I like a lot of the role players. I agree with you on Trey Murphy. Uh, he's a guy who has size, can shoot, and checks a lot of intangible boxes as a hard worker, right? It seems like everything is kind of coming into form. Uh, they'll, they'll really need to nail this pick here at number eight overall. I don't have the clear answer to that, but I, I trust that they'll do a good job in figuring that out. But it really all hinges on Zion, right, as to whether yeah. this is uh, – you know, a scrappy fun team or a serious team. Uh, so if Zion is able to get fully healthy and be completely engaged and out there playing at the level that he was, uh, you know, when we last truly saw him pre-injury, then yeah, the Pelicans are definitely on the up and up.
1: Awesome. John, thank you. I know it's a busy time. It's a fun time. I know the combine's going on right now. So thank you for taking some time for us. Uh, maybe as we get closer to the draft, maybe we can do this again. And, uh, maybe get a, uh, a mock draft out of you. How about that?
4: That would be great. I mean, it's combine week right now in my city of Chicago. So i yeah. um, definitely learning a lot more information throughout the course of the week. And it would be fun to kind of circle back as we get closer.
1: Well, you can count on it, man. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.
4: All right. Thanks a lot, Jordy. All, See right. Ya.
1: That, all right, buddy. He's the best. John Chip Kind enough to join us talking NBA draft. Um, if you want to see the Astros in person, listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshare AC. Le Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll wrap up our number one after this timeout, the Geordie Helpert Show on the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtberg
0: has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? We just
4: washed the hair. You know, I worked on the hair a long time, and you can hits
0: my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Right, the game wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes, plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising. Tuesday, Saturday, June the 4th, the Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience is presented by Social Entertainment Raider Solutions the Louisiana region Cajuns and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, let's see, the PGA leaderboard, Justin Thomas still uh, in the clubhouse at six under. Will Zalatoris is one under through four. He and Abraham Answer, who is two under through four today, are one stroke behind Justin Thomas. They're at five under par. Rory McElroy, the leader after the first round, is at plus one through four, and he has dropped down to four uh, under par for the day. I'm trying to see. Boy, I got to go a long way to find El Gray, and I still haven't found him, and I still haven't found him. And I, Okay, Tiger is even through four holes today, so he remains at four over par. Again, the cut is projected at plus three. So um, stay tuned for that. Coming up in hour number two, we'll take you to Tempe, Arizona for the LSU softball uh, team's quest to uh, try and continue their journey in the NCAA tournament. Patrick Wright, uh, the voice of LSU softball, will join us. George Faust will come aboard. We'll talk all things and Cajuns baseball and softball and then George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will share our thoughts on Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Deion Sanders. We'll pick the Preakness. We'll see who's going to win this golf tournament and so on and so forth. NBA picks. We'll just have a lot of fun. So there you have it. Our number one is in the books. Um, we are brought to you in part by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Louisiana off Ambassador Caffrey in uh, Lafayette and off of blue bonnet Boulevard in Baton Rouge hormone replacement therapy, uh, fountain of youth. All right. Our number two straight ahead. We'll be back.
0: Live and local, this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby, we are gonna be
1: Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Friday, May the 20th, the year 2022. So much going on. LSU baseball wins uh, at Vanderbilt last night, 13-2, game two tonight. Listen to it right here on the game we've got nba playoff action tonight game two between the warriors and the dallas mavericks uh the celtics blew out the heat last night justin thomas leading the pga as it's in round two in tulsa we got nick saban and jimbo fisher and deon sanders all getting after one another it's crazy and tonight in tempe arizona LSU softball in, in really unfamiliar te- regional territory. Usually they're always the tiger park, but this year they go in as a number two seed to the, uh, Arizona state regional. Also in it is uh, San Diego state who the tigers will play tonight and Cal state Fullerton. It's a seven o'clock our time start, which means, uh, 5 PM mountain time. And, uh, on the call of the game, as per the norm, the voice of LSU women's athletics, our good friend Patrick Wright. Patrick, man, are you having a good time in Tempe so far?
7: Hey, Jordan. if I thought that right now I am about... Three miles from our hotel, there is a desert botanical garden, and I've just kind of been taking a walk and tour, taking picture of cactus and stuff. So wow. I'm having a blast. It's hot, but you know it's a dry heat. So, yeah. but you know what? That dry heat is also a hot heat. But it's uh, it, it's a beautiful territory here, and I'm just kind of killing a little time before we do battle this afternoon.
1: Absolutely. Um, double elimination is the is this regional. So the the winner between LSU and San Diego State will take on the winner of Arizona State. And Cal State Fullerton, um, this is unusual. I mean, like I said, normally uh, Coach Tarina's teams—they're always playing at Tiger Park when we start regional play.
7: Well, last time was 2014 uh, that we didn't host, and they sent us to Arizona that year. So, okay, uh, coming out west is not unfamiliar. We've—this will be the third time we've been to Tempe. Uh, back in the 2000s, we were here for a super regional and a regional. And we've been to Arizona for a regional and a super regional. So it's our fifth trip to Arizona. We have not come away with a regional or super regional win yet. We've won some games, but we haven't won the whole tournament. So okay. uh, trying for a first here out in the uh, out in the land of the sun.
1: Uh, 23rd NCAA tournament appearance for LSU softball. Their 17th consecutive season receiving an NCAA tournament berth. Um, not many teams can say that, can they?
7: No, the only three years that we haven't made the tournament were 1997, which was the first year of the program. 2005, the year after we went to the World Series, kind of had a little bit of a down year, but almost made it. And then the COVID year. So only three yeah. years altogether wow. we've not made it. So it's a norm. You know, and just unfortunately this team had a couple things go against it. You know, we had – I could point to three games where we lost okay. big leads. And uh, if, if you win those three games, you're probably in a in a position where – you know, I'm not standing out in the hot sun in the desert right now. We're back at Tiger Park. But sometimes things just don't quite fall the way they're supposed to. But you know, but all you gotta do is get here, Jordy. You know, Beth's first season in two thousand twelve, she had a team that hit 200, 220 for the season. They got swept at Kentucky the last weekend of the season. They lost their first game of the SEC tournament, but then they put it together. They went and won a regional at Texas A and M, went won a super regional at, at Missouri and you look up, and you're in the World Series. You would never figure that team had a chance. But all it took was two weeks worth of good play. Everything that you've done up to this point, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's, you go play, yeah. and, and if it's your week and next week's your week, you end up in Oklahoma City. And this team is good enough to do it. We've seen it through the year. Can, can this be the right two weeks?
1: Uh, well, that's right. All right. So I guess with softball, everything kind of starts with whoever is in the circle and whoever has the most dominant picture – uh, that's usually the team that comes out on top. Now, uh, San Diego State is the Mountain West Conference champs. They're thirty-seven and fourteen. Uh, if you're talking with Beth Torina and, and 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 scouting them, what do you know about San Diego State?
7: Well, I'll tell you, it's a bad draw, and I'll tell you why. San Diego State has a pitcher named Megan Ballant, who is almost 25 years old. She started, she spent two years at Oregon back in 17 and 18, went to the World Series both years, transferred to San Diego State, had a COVID year, had a red shirt. So here she is, she's like a ninth-year senior, and uh, her ERA is below two. Her career ERA is below two. So for a, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like back in, remember in the regionals back, you know, you, like, you, you look at who you face, you say, oh, we're going right. to face ULM, but then they've got Ben Sheets. That's kind of yeah. what this is with San Diego State. You look at them, and say, "Yeah, oh, what a big deal, but they've got a pitcher who's as good as anybody in the country. So it was a, an unfortunate draw that you get probably the best three seed in the tournament. But Allie Kilponen can go toe-to-toe with anybody, and she's going to have to do that mm-hmm. today. I don't really expect a lot of runs scored this afternoon. And you know, it's Whoever can just make the right play, get the runners over, get them in, I really yeah. think we're going to see a low-scoring game
1: were I was surprised at lsu's um very short run in the SEC tournament um I, I thought they i don't know what happened there what how is this team after that and what's their what's their feel now what who has to step up in other words to be sure you alleviate that and don't let that happen again?
7: Well, I'll be honest. The, the hitting the last six games were batting a little bit below 200. Uh, yeah, so th- yeah. some of the hitting has fallen off. Taylor Pleasants had a rough end of the season. She finished one for her last 20. Um, but just not getting the the offense rolling the way that it had been for a little while. So they they got to get some hitting. When you're facing as good a pitcher as you're going to face tonight, it's easier said than done. So the offense is going to have to hit a little bit. Um, you know, I think I think Kilponen can shut San Diego State down. Their offense isn't terribly potent. That's why I'm expecting a low-scoring game. But then, if you catch Arizona State tomorrow, boy, they are—they hit—they average at two home runs a game. Uh, they mm. hit for average. They hit for power. They steal. They do a little bit of everything. But but you got to get past today to get to that point. But you got to hit it better. The last six games just just didn't hit it well.
1: So that means Sierra Briggs, uh, Taylor Pleasants, and um, Shelby Sinceri, who all received first-team uh, honors in the NFCA South All-Region team your stars have to play i mean that's that's what tournament time's all about patrick you know you've you've been through all these games well yeah the your stars the, have to play the, well
7: yeah the and the sport doesn't matter softball nba football right. baseball right. when it's when when the big lights come on and it really really matters your best players have to step up and you mm. you'll you see good and bad you know world series for major leagues all of it if your best player is in a funk it's going to be real hard for you to do a lot yeah. that's why hopefully Pleasance can come out and get this tournament off to a good start for her tonight because she's, you know, in, in that three-hole, she's kind of the cog that makes it go. you got the table setters in front of her, Coffey and Briggs, who are doing a good job of getting on base, Then you got to get them in. And that's where those bats behind her, Clark and Sinceria, got to get that job done.
1: Gotcha. Patrick Wright, the voice of LSU women's athletics, um... Well, Kim Mulkey's going to have herself another team, big guy. She just celebrated her 60th birthday. She's going to be great. He, I mean, timing is everything. You're, you're very fortunate to be calling those. Let me excuse my ignorance here. Remember when we had the hurricane and we had to come out west to Arizona to play that yeah. game? Was that
7: Tempe? It was Tempe. It was. In fact, yeah, We uh, the stadium is right near – where uh, where our hotel is right near the campus. Okay. You remember they've got that big mountain off in the distance, yes. kind of not a just like a big random rock. It's not really a mountain, Um but yeah, yes. that was that was Tempe. That is that you that got was it a, right. Two thousand and five. Crazy.
1: You know what I remember the most is getting off the plane, and, and Les Miles liked to make sure that they had a walk through through the stadium, and it was like a hundred and ten degrees, and the players were looking for any kind of shade, and finally they said. Man, Coach,
7: we got to get out of here.
1: This is crazy. <laughs> it was well, burning and that, up.
7: And it was. And it, it, again, you can dry heat it all you want. It's hot. It is hot. Yeah. And what makes it harder, you you have to make a point to hydrate yourself because you, yes. you don't feel like you're sweating as much, but you're losing as much fluid as you are when you're sweating it off. So you got to stay yeah. hydrated. And the girls have been doing it. Every time I see them walking around the lobby, they've got a, a swig of something going. So um, they're going to be ready. Um, yeah. Just got to go. Got to go out and do it now. That's the thing. That's They're right. Ready? Right. Got to go out and perform.
1: I, it doesn't sound like you're staying at that Palatial Resort. We stayed at when we were out there. Man, that thing was like fine. I can't remember the I name. Do remember of it, but
7: it was had it had, a, it had a golf course. I do remember yes, that. Yes, and, yes. And it I was, wanted to. I wanted to come back at some point, but no, that is, we're not at that fine, same place. Man. But I remember wow. it well. Those were wow. good times amongst. Uh, Bad the times. bad at home. It was good to get away from home to that yeah. for a few days. I will I will say that. Yeah, you're right.
1: Well, Patrick, I can't thank you enough. Going, enjoy all the cactus and everything, and uh have a great game tonight. Let's get to the let's stay in the winner's bracket and uh and go from there. But good luck.
7: All right, Jordan. Hopefully we got something to talk about next week.
1: You're the ba- I would love it. I would love it. Thank you so much. That's Patrick Wright, the voice of LSU Softball. Tonight, seven o'clock LSU versus San Diego State. Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $50 gift certificate to the Hash Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $50 gift certificate to the Hash Shell Oyster House or that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by, well, you got to become a member of the Game Clubhouse. At 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Look, it's free. It's simple. What are you waiting for? Sign up today. All right, all things Cajuns. Baseball, softball, oh my. With uh, Mr. KLFY himself, George Faust. After this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY Sports Director George Faust. And
7: we'll never be royal, royal.
0: It's time for Fridays with Faust here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: George, how are you, buddy?
6: I'm uh, doing great, Geordie. How you doing? Uh, I-
1: I'm great. I'm just waiting for Lane Kiffin's response to this uh, Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher uh, ta da da Oh,
6: dude, isn't that crazy? It's <laughs> it's it's one of it's just you know you got to love it though. That that a And M Alabama game is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Uh, Alabama's <laughs> going to beat their brains out this year. Alabama's going to win the whole darn thing. Uh, so um, uh, all it tells me is this. Uh, Nick Saban didn't like the way teams were playing offense, so uh, so he hires Kiffin. They change everything. They keep winning. Okay. Now they got all this stuff, and he was making that message. He says everything calculated, and he made that message in front of all those business leaders in Birmingham. <laughs> hey, we, we need more money. Let's go get, get the money to our collective so we can outspend everybody else, and they'll be fine, and they'll win again. That's what it said to me.
6: You're right. I mean, he, he there, nothing he says is not planned out in some way, shape, or form. I completely agree with that. So it, it was a very strategic move on Saban's part, no doubt about it. And, look, they know each other, right? I mean, they were on yep. the same staff. Uh, uh, Jimbo was on his staff, so he yeah. he, he knows how he works. So he, yes. I, I don't know why he's getting all bent out of shape, you know. Go do your thing. And then if you yeah. beat us, you beat us, and we'll, we'll see you. You we'll see you at the Outback Bowl, and we'll be Alabama. will be playing in the national championship. You know that's how don't
1: it goes. You, don't you want a movie made out of this, and then we can really dig and find out where all the bones are buried? That's what I want to see. That's what I need.
6: <laughs> we'll we'll have to work on that uh, uh, that uh, Jordy Holtberg production. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, um, if the if the Cajuns never see Hayden Arnold again, it'll be too soon. Who is this dude? <laughs> Nine innings, uh, dude, five hits, no wow. runs, twelve strikeouts, no walks. Who the heck is this guy?
6: He's a Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year. Is who he is. He's a uh, he was dealing last night, no doubt about it. Twelve strikeouts, man. They, they they just couldn't find find a gap to save their life last night. It was it was unreal. Like everything they hit was either right at somebody or it was you know just an easier easy play for the infield to make it. Nothing they could do with regards to hitting yesterday worked out the way they they wanted it to yeah. uh so yeah, like there were a couple of smacks uh to center field and and just i mean looks like shots like oh that that's gonna be a double maybe a triple if it gets off the wall, and that the center fielder goes and makes a nice little catch and yeah that that guy that guy was on fire last night, no doubt about it um he had he just had his stuff and and as coach Deggs was telling us you know. Look, he's got a good fastball that'll spin a lot. So you know, you you combine that with a good breaking pitch, and man, he was he was hard to touch, and they always they scattered five hits. So I mean, yeah, they got it. They, they, they look, they got to win to get the. They need the momentum back, right? They need yeah. to be able to win tonight, win Saturday, and go push themselves into that Sunbelt tournament. Because now, if you lose any more, you're putting yourself in a bind because you're already. Uh, according to some uh, estimations, you're the one of the first four out of the NCAA right. tournament, so right. uh, they need to they need to kind of uh, some make so start making some hay, if you will.
1: And you lost to a team um, who's now 11 and 16 in conference play. You're 17 and 11. They're 24 and 24 across the board. Uh, Louisiana's 31 up, 21 down. So you're supposed to beat that team, especially at home at at you know Russo Park, but. That's a tough one. So game two tonight at six, uh, game three uh, Saturday uh, at four o'clock. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Right now, we got ourselves a dandy in the softball tournament uh, regional. Uh, The Cajuns three, Auburn three, uh, going into the sixth inning. So um, this is interesting.
6: Yeah, look. And and that no coach Glasgow there yet. He's kind of from what I could understand from the broadcast, he's in route, you know, uh, headed that way. But uh, he had to, he had to deal with the COVID issues, and okay. so uh, out of the protocol and on his way to, to coach his team. But man, that that's we we know the Cajuns' caliber. You know, we know how good they are in softball, and what yeah. we've seen over the past year season is that this team has grown immensely and has matured. And when when you put them up against a team like Auburn, who's competing in the SEC, and you have a pitcher in Megan Shoreman do the Cajuns that has SEC experience, being at Kentucky, uh, there, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, there's there's a good a good chance that the Cajuns, you know, they they step their play up. In other words, you know, and so uh, really, <laughs> this is this is going to be a fun little weekend of regionals. There's not there's not a whole lot of uh, expectation with regards for the Cajuns to get out of this region because of their playing in the Clemson region. You have an SEC team. You have the number one seeded Clemson uh, Tigers. So a lot of uh, there's a there's a couple of teams that people perceive as better than them in this regional. And I don't know that that's the case. I, maybe they're more experienced at this juncture, but they're not they're not necessarily make them better. Uh, so I, I give the Cajuns a fair shot here, though. I, usually the Cajuns make it into the championship. That, that's the way they play in these regions. They, they elevate their status uh, when it yeah. comes to these type of events.
1: Well, they'll send up uh, Campbell, um, who's one of their best hitters, hitting four oh three on the season. She's 0-2 today, but she'll lead off the uh, top of the six, followed by Piscos and Mayo. Um, Hayden is... Uh, the, fr- the freshman is two for two today and everybody else they, they haven't ha- had many hits uh but the timely hit so it's three to three um in the sixth inning so the cajun's up to bat um very very interesting there uh yep. high school's gotta wrapped up right i mean there's it's, it's yeah. there's nothing yeah. nothing else going on No,
6: not just uh, if you're a football program you might have some spring workouts yeah. i guess or yeah. summer workouts or whatever it is and that's about it you can't you don't really shoot video for that you know right. <laughs> you just uh you just kind yeah so we're on cruise control with regards to high school we're trying to wrap up the uh the college season now and then and, and, you know then it's the dog days of summer you look for saint's training camp that's next
1: <laughs> Saints training camp are you um are you buying stock in the saints by the way
6: Man, I'm excited. I, there's there's a level of excitement. Maybe it's a little bit of the unknown, but there's definitely a level of 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 kind of some peak interest here. And, and like, hey, yeah. these guys might be halfway decent this year. You know, they know. we if they have a good defense and 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 you know the wide receiver court comes together and Jameis is the Jameis that throws thirty touchdowns and not thirty interceptions. And wow, they might have you know. They might win a game or two in the playoffs, you know. Uh, it's definitely it, it. Let me say this: it piques my interest. And to be honest with you, I love Drew Brees. He's one of my favorite people that I've ever had a chance to talk to, interview, all that good stuff. But I, I, not that I th- thought he was coming back, but he doesn't need to come back to the Saints. Like let's let's let this let Dennis Allen coach. Jameis Winston and and we'll move from there, you know, and, and see what happens. Everything, you don't, everything that, you don't need that distraction. No, it seems like no, no, it's no. starting to gel, you know.
1: But you know Vegas is going to bet on everything. You know who is the you know who is the betting favorite if Drew Brees comes out of retirement? You know who it is? No, who is it? It's the Arizona Cardinals. What? Exactly. They're the betting favorite. So they, in other words, they say I don't know. Kyler Murray is really going to work out. So Drew Brees is going to come in there and and save Cliff Kingsbury. What? Interesting. Crazy.
6: Yeah, that that is that is bizarre. I, I don't know that I'd bet for that. Uh, that's that's just and there's no ties. Like it's not like you know he go to the Chargers, like Los Angeles Chargers, and like help Justin Abair or Herbert or whatever. capacity. Herbert. <laughs> what mean. <laughs> yeah, Herbert. He's uh, not from Lafayette. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. As a South Louisiana, <laughs> gotta love it. Um, gotta love like it. He, he mentored Justin Herbert, uh, you know, because the Chargers were his old team. I, that that yeah. seems more relevant than him going to actually play. You know. The, so, <laughs> anyway, yeah. That's, so, are you, are, are you telling me that?
1: There. Do you think if Sean Payton were still coaching the Saints, do you do you think the Saints would have Taran Matthew and um, Jarvis Landry no, playing for them?
6: I don't. No way. Why is that? The guy, the guy, what is the, up guy with him? the guy hated the LSU. I don't understand what he what he had against LSU. What, I don't he either. Draft, like, one LSU player and did all his time there. Like, like <laughs> I don't know what that was. Maybe he thought they were too close to the Saints. Maybe they were so close in proximity that they wouldn't work hard or there are too many families would be a distraction. I I, 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 I don't know. I, I it baffles the mind. It My buddies really and does. I discuss this all the time. It's like there's, we don't under we never understood like how you pass up on guys like that and, and just continually yeah. do that, and then continually go get Ohio State players. Hey, thank like, you, thank you. Like, like, what does Ohio State have that LSU doesn't? I mean, in the recent past, not much. You know.
1: Yeah, as soon as Sean Payton starts coaching for the Cowboys, you're going to take every LSU Tiger. Watch.
6: Right. Oh yeah, dude. The Cowboys love LSU. Yeah, the Cowboys love them. Yeah,
1: yeah, I absolutely. never understood this Ohio State love. I never understood the Ohio State love fest. Never,
6: never. Right, but yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah, but they're, I mean, they, they had some great players. I mean, Will Smith was phenomenal. Don't don't get me wrong. But yeah, the, there was a there was there was definitely a pipeline of some sort. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Urban yeah, Meyer had a connection Whoop. with. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, like I don't know.
1: God, Urban Meyer, what a nice uh, yeah. case. Um, yeah, George right. Fowles, that's why. Other... <laughs> Who has a better season, the Saints or the Pelicans?
6: Oh wow, wow, the Pel's look good, don't they? Like, they really, there's do? There's a lot of excitement around New Orleans sports right now. That girl they Madeline, really there at the at the Golden Era, right? Uh, yes. What's happening here? No, the Pel's look good, man. That that that's a wow. That's that's gonna be. Uh, the 8th pick so they can add to their offer hopefully right. Zion has already kind of gelled with Brandon Ingram and CJ and those guys and that and so they can kind of start forming a team that that uh can challenge in the west you know you got to you got to what take down Luka you got to take down uh, Devin Booker CP3 uh, that yeah. he took care it of us. ain't so, easy. No. this playoffs but uh I don't think the Lakers are an issue right now or in the near future. I, I'd be shocked to see that happen. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> dude, you're right though, man. The Pels, I, So to answer the question, I think the Saints have a better year.
2: Okay. But
6: I think the Pels. I think the Pels will, will be in the postseason again, and they they actually win a win a series. I'm hoping the Saints have a little better year and then they get to like a an NFC Championship game yeah, or something that, like that.
1: That would. That would be great. All right, go take care of those kids. Kids are almost out of school, man, counting down the minutes. So, um, <laughs> uh, as always, right <laughs> <laughs> then the fun begins. What do we do with the kids now? There's no school. What do we do? Oh, I've been there, done that, got the postcard. Yeah. George, <laughs> you're the best, man. Enjoy it have a great weekend. Thank you. Uh,
6: thank you, Jordy. Good talking to you, as always. Talk to you soon. All right,
1: All right buddy. Tune
0: in next week to Jordy Holberg for Fridays with Faust here on the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 20th, 1983, American heavyweight boxer Larry Holmes beats countryman Tim Witherspoon by a split decision to retain his WBC championship in a bout held at the Dunes Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station
1: all right 34 minutes after the hour it's uh, one of my favorite uh parts of the week yes it is friday and yes i get to talk with my buddies uh, james mesh back in the game studios and by george it's george becknell yet again my buddy how are you graduate how you doing man
5: george i'm doing well it's been a, it's been a great week I'm, I'm just excited to talk to you and james right quick how all you doing right.
1: um i'm doing terrific um all right, I'm going to get both of y'all's opinions. I'm going to I'm going to start off with you George. I'm going to say Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Deion Sanders go.
5: Man, I wish they would they'd let them all in the ring and do a pay-per-view. I'd watch that. I mean, I mean, look, Nick Saban's completely out of line, right? You know, some things happen, some things goes on. I'm not saying they're all the way right, I'm not saying they're all the way wrong, but when you bring out things in the open that that doesn't involve you then that's like a like a like a man law violation. You can't do that, Nick Saban. And Jimbo Fisher has every right, and Deion Sanders has every right to feel the way they do. So I'm glad they clap back at him. Nick Saban's been sitting on the soapbox for a while, just thinking he can say to anybody whatever he wants. I'm glad that they're firing back at him. So, but this is entertaining for me.
1: Yeah, it is fun. Uh, James, uh, let me hear your uh, viewpoint.
2: I i never expected someone like Nick Saban to call everybody out and then take it back and be like I'm sorry that's not what I meant like that's never been something Nick Saban you would think would do it, it completely threw me off and I love how Jimbo and Dion clapped back at him especially Jimbo he he had a lot to say he even like got his own press conference and was like all right yeah we're we're doing this tomorrow morning and we're gonna have to talk about this uh, it was it was great.
1: Saban's never come out and and done that that way. No, um, and I think that's what threw everybody. I'm like, man, um, he he is attacking that specific school and that specific program. So I agree. Jimbo has every right to um, to to do what he wants. Normally, you know, honor among thieves. So don't tell me that Nick Saban doesn't have some some, you know. Skeletons yeah, you're, in his You're, not, you're not squeaky clean that Jimbo Fisher doesn't have skeletons in his closet. So maybe it's honor among thieves. Um and maybe I agree. You know, may, maybe Jimbo should have picked up the phone, but I don't know. I don't no. know. It's no. entertain picked up the phone and said, cussed him out or something. What are you doing? No, uh, you
5: you can't pick up the phone. Nick Saban aired it out in public. I'm gonna deal with you you're right. public, since you did
1: that. You're right. You're right. I agree. Look, it's great. Um you know, every camera, every entity is going to be at that game when they play in Tuscaloosa, and Saban's going to beat his brains out. I'm just telling you. He's going to beat his brains out. And the other, I said it earlier, and I really believe this. Okay, Saban's going, okay, y'all are doing this. I haven't. Okay, guess what? We're going to learn how to do it. We're going to do it better than you, and we're going to beat your brains in again until I retire. Or either that, yeah. that, or this is going to force him to retire early after he wins the championship this year. Number eight, promise you.
5: I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for him to retire early, but yeah, I, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see anybody beating Alabama this year. That that team is loaded. All right,
1: NBA playoffs. Um, man, after losing game one, Boston put it. You know, they get Marcus Smart back. They get Al Horford back. I just think Boston's a better team. I think they have more weapons. Um, who do you like in that series, George?
5: Well, I I like Boston. Um, coming into the series, I always thought Boston had better weapons. You know, like Miami is well coached. They they got a good cohesion there, but in mm-hmm. the playoffs, it's about your stars. It's about who could go get a bucket without running the offense, you throw him the rock, get him a bucket. Boston has more of those guys. Yeah. And I, I wasn't them. big on Miami after that game one because they won game one by what? 10, 12 points yeah. there was no Al Hawford there was no Marcus smart you know like Boston is clearly better they went to Miami and got the split yeah. Miami's yeah. not going in the garden they winning so I actually like Boston to pull this off they probably pull it off in six
1: okay all right uh James your thoughts on the the Cs bouncing back
2: oh I, I loved it I didn't I don't I didn't want to get too hyped about it because I know when I do that it comes to buy me back so I'm keeping it low <laughs> I think they'll go 3-1. They'll take 2-0 in Boston. I think Miami will try to make it a series and win one back in Miami, but they'll finish it off in game six as well. Um, Glad to see Marcus Smart back. It it was definitely hard to replicate shooting 50% from three and making 9 of 11 in the first quarter, but I I think they can still do it because a lot of those three-point shots were open shots. Not most of them were contested. Yeah, so right. the, Miami has a lot to work on on the defensive side.
1: That that defies what Shaq said. He said Jimmy uh, Butler could get 40 against anybody including the defensive player of the year. Marcus Smart is so critical to what the Boston Celtics do. He is yes. so critical. Um, and people wanted him that, that, traded.
2: And people wanted him when traded. When
1: he's on when he's on the court, they are a different ball club. All right, game 2 tonight, George. Um I equate Game One between Golden State and Dallas. Uh, Dallas had a hangover from their their Game Seven win against mm-hmm. Phoenix. They had to go to San Francisco from there and had to play a team that 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 plays the game of basketball unlike any other team in, in the league. Uh, their movement, their player movement, ball movement, their shot creativity. Um, you can't you can't just wake up and say, okay, we can stop that. It takes a time and a while to get settled in. I expect Dallas to play better, but what do you think?
5: Uh, I actually think I actually expect Dallas to play better as well. Because if you looked at Game One, Game One didn't look that different from the first couple of games in the last series against Phoenix. You know, if if you really look at Dallas, Dallas is you know Jason Kidd, he's going to make adjustments and he's going to Dallas is going to be better as the series goes on, in my opinion. so I expect them to come out and play well tonight. I don't know if they I don't know if they win, but you know, they're gonna give Golden State a lot more than what what they're expecting because you got guys like Brunson playing well, you got Dinwiddie playing well, and Luca can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So I expect Dallas to come out and put on the show um and they go give Golden State a run for their money tonight. I think Golden State wins, but it's gonna be by less than ten points. All
1: right, uh, James, your NBA thoughts on the Warriors and the Mavericks game two
2: tonight in uh, Frisco. I'm still leaning Warriors. It'll definitely be closer, but the Warriors, they even though they won by 25, they only shot 34.5% from three. So it, it wasn't that good of shooting from them from deep range. So I expect them to do better throughout the series, and I got to believe Golden State's going to take game two heading into Dallas. Luke
1: is going to come out on fire. Um, the question yep. is, who else is going to join him? Um, you you got to figure out a way to contain Brunson. If you do that, you win and you win the series. You can't win with just one player, not with all the weapons that um, that Golden State has. I, I like Golden State to win game two as well. Um, Saturday, they're saying the weather for the running of the Preakness Stakes is going to be the, the race's hottest in 2020. 20- Five years. Um wow, that, that's that says an awful lot. It's gonna be hot uh in Baltimore. So George, um no rich strike, so there's no triple crown winner this year. Um anybody you like in this uh in Saturday's race at the preakness?
2: Ooh,
5: that's, that's 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 a that's a rough one, Jordy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, right. I, I don't know. I, I was I was I was rooting for the Triple Crown, since that can't happen. I I, I have no earthly idea what's going to happen in the previous stakes. All right,
1: that's good. James, we'll pass the baton over
2: to you. Oh, I wish I knew stuff about horses. But looking at the nine that are in the race, I'm a big name guy, and oh. one that stood out to me was Skippy Longstocking,
4: who's a <laughs> who's
2: a twenty to one odds. So I'll take him. Or her. Neither I, I don't one I don't you, I don't know the I don't know the gender.
1: Neither one of you read the Daily Race form. I can see that. Um I think it's a two horse race. I think it's Epicenter. Okay. and I think it's the Philly Secret Oath. I think it's Asmussen against Dwayne Lucas, who still rides horses and he's eighties years old. It's amazing. Um I, I'm gonna pick Epicenter to win it, and I think Secret Oath comes in second. Um, and I expect okay. a good race, a good race. So there you go. There you go. All right. Um, let's see where else I can stump y'all right now. Justin Thomas leads the PGA. You're a big golfer, George, um, back-to-back rounds of 67. The question is they predict the cut line at plus three. Um, looking to see where my boy Tiger woods through four holes, uh seven holes, excuse me, is one under par today. He is at plus three. Does Tiger stick around and play the weekend at the PGA, George?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think Tiger is, is not the Tiger we used to, but I, I think he's kind of getting back into form. He's got a couple tournaments under his belt. You know, I'm never gonna bet against Tiger. So if he's already at plus three, he's he's one stroke under the day. There's no reason why I don't why he can't make make a couple of uh, make up some ground on a couple more strokes at the end of the day. So I would imagine Tiger's going to finish today at plus one and make this cut. Uh,
1: I hope so. That would be great, uh, James. You like Tiger's chances to stick around in Tulsa for a couple extra days,
2: but the fact that he's what he's dealing with physically and the course that he came back for the first time was really hilly, I believe, in that like the steepest elevation. The the fact that he took on his biggest challenge and like he survived for a long time. I think him getting into the groove of everything, I believe he's he's gonna make it a couple more days.
1: Let's make it unanimous. Let's make Tiger play the weekend. I'm gonna tell you who the winner is. You ready? Yeah. It's not Justin Thomas. My money is on my money is on Cameron Smith. The guy with the mullet. Mm Best putter on tour. Um, he is currently at three under par through eight holes he had an opening round 68 he's one under today three under total I'm gonna go with Cameron Smith I think he's overdue I think he's a really good player Rory McIlroy is uh faltered he started out at minus five he's at minus three now through seven so Rory coming back and he's given up the yep. lead yet again and I, I don't see Rory making much of a much of a headline. Okay, uh, George, while I got you there on the Zoom, um, Pelicans with the eighth pick overall. You think they get a quality player at number eight?
5: Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a crapshoot. shoot. Uh, I hope they get a quality player. It's not like the NFL draft where you got, like, top ten is guaranteed contributors, right? But yeah. I'd like to see the Pelicans get, like, a true point guard from somewhere. If they could get a true point guard and a shooter – I can see the Pelicans being like a four or five seed in the West next year. Like I think you know, if Zion comes back healthy, so I'm looking for a, a real ball handler so McCullum can can play the off guard where he's natural at.
1: Gotcha. He's um,
2: James. Are you a hockey guy? Do you like to watch hockey? I'm not really huge on it. I know yeah. I know Matt is, but uh, I I did see the Flames in that other game the other night. They they had won nine to six. That I I'd seen that one the other that was huge because usually you only get like five goals in total per game. Maybe. Hey, uh softball, do they play seven innings? Is that it? Yes. Softball, yes. they only play seven. Seven innings. Uh
1: all right, so right now Auburn leads uh the Raging Cajuns four to three. Um two outs, top of the seventh. So they are down to their last out. And uh, the Cajuns would go into the losers bracket if that is uh, if that is the case. Um, I haven't watched a lick of Major League Baseball this year yet. I, I got to be honest with you, I haven't. Has anybody watched baseball? I know the Yankees are going like crazy. They're they're off to a start that like no we haven't seen in years. But other than that, 20, they're, they're off to a start. Other than that,
5: what do y'all think? Um, I'm I'm looking for the I'm looking for the Dodgers to really make a make a big push, Jordy. I I think uh, I you know I look at Major League Baseball. I think the Dodgers are going to be the uh, the the team that comes out the the uh, National League, and uh, you know they got a couple pitches down, but I just I still believe in them. So you know it's it's one of those things where they always play well. They always end it toward the end. So I I, I like the Dodgers out the National League for sure.
1: The Yankees are 28 and 10. Um yeah. golly. Uh unbelievable. This is nice not to
5: have a salary cap on.
1: Might have a subway series between the Yankees and the Mets. I mean, they're both on pretty, pretty good. The Dodgers are there. Uh my Cardinals are hanging around, uh, 20 and 18. Uh of course we carry the Astros on our on our network and uh the astros are kind of let's see i'm looking uh astros are leading the west 25 and 14 so they're seven uh one seven of their last 10 james what do you think about this baseball race so far
2: it's been pretty interesting to say the least i think astros are starting to pick it up a little bit they've started getting into a little groove which is always good i remember yeah. we were talking about the Reds? Was it last week or two weeks ago when yes, they only had three wins? Yes. I mean, now they got eleven. They're eleven and twenty-six. They're rolling, baby. They're they're start, they're starting to figure it out. Everybody's at least got ten wins. Let's bring back uh,
1: Joe Morgan and Concepcion and Johnny Bench. Let's go, <laughs> the big red machine. Boy, there was a time when those dudes. You know, there was a time when the Baltimore Orioles were great when they had Palmer and Cuellar. Those pictures. Uh, but man, you don't have picture, You shh. You can't win. The Reds are at 11. The Nationals are at 13 wins. My gosh. What do you do? I mean, you're so far behind already. Uh, what? How do you convince fans to go out there and go watch you play?
5: Uh, you just, you're just just happy that 30% of the seats are full at that point. You,
1: you, you go to watch the other team play. The, the other superstar. <laughs> you you, hope, to so see, you see,
2: yeah, hope to see the superstar. James, if
1: there's one team with one player, you're gonna, I I know who I want to go see, but who is the one team and the one player you would pay money to go see a Major League Baseball game? Um,
2: I'm, I'm, oh, Who's uh, – I can't think of the guy. What's his name? On the Brewers. He he intrigues me a lot. I forget his name. Let me see.
1: On the Brewers. Um, I'll tell you mine. I, I want I want to see him when he's pitching and hitting D.A. I want to see Shohei Otani play. That's who I want bonus. to see.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I was thinking Christian yeah. Yelich. I was thinking of him on the, on the Brewers.
1: I want to see Shohei because he'll strike you out and then he'll get a bat in his hand and he'll take you yard. That's who I want to
5: see. Hey, that's a good one to see. You got one? Yeah, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Okay. I watched his dad play and I'm going to watch him tear the cover off of baseball because, man, he's one of the best hitters I've seen in a long time.
1: You know who's my number two? I want to see Aaron Judge hit one so hard and so far and so high. I just want to watch it go out the park. That's what I want to do.
5: That'd be cool. Maybe we take a
1: road trip. Let's do it. Yankees Astros. James will hook us up with tickets. He's got the inside skinny. Come <laughs> yeah. on, James.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll try to find a way.
1: Okay, good. All right, George. Thank you very much. Uh, look, you got to study up on your horse racing, man. Come on, dude. I'll Come be on. ready
5: next week. I promise.
1: Next, Well, the Preakness won't be for, I mean, the Belmont won't be for three weeks. So you'd be good, Jay. Got plenty of time to study up. Epicenter. Gotcha. Epicenter. Oh. All right. Have a good weekend, buddy. Thank you. You too. James, uh, we'll be back to wrap this bad boy up here. Uh, our final time out of the day. This is the Geordie Helper Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, Shohei Otani. I want to go watch him play. All right, we'll be back.
0: Here's three pieces of advice to live by Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, let's clean up some business. Unfortunately, uh, Auburn beats uh, the Ragin' Cajuns in softball 4-3. to three. Double elimination, so the Ragin' Cajuns still in it, but Auburn wins it 4-3 to three today. PGA Championship, Tiger Woods is um, at plus 4. Uh, so he bogeyed number eight and he's at plus four. The cut line is purported to be at plus three. So he's got some work to do. Uh, the current leader in the clubhouse, Justin Thomas at six under par will Zalatoris and Tom Hogue are at five under par. Uh, my pick to win it. Cam Smith is at three under par. So we'll see what happens there all right what a fun fun week it was what a fun day it was thanks to bill Frankez uh, in nashville for lsu versus vanderbilt john chepkevich with his preview of the nba draft patrick wright lsu softball tonight against san diego state george faust all things with the cajuns george mcnell james and myself we just bantered about um, hope everybody has a great friday and even better weekend. Graduates, congratulations to each and every one of you. Come on back Monday, same time, two to four, same great stations. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, all right? Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another, and let's be happy. Have a great one. See you Monday. So long, everybody.